Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Abstract Podcast. My name is Javen, and I'm joined here in the studio with the co-host Colin Steiner. Hello. And today, we are going to be talking about some current events, mm-hmm. laying out some things that have happened, and then at the end, maybe telling you our take on them. Yeah. So, Colin... Yesterday was the, well, broadly speaking, yes, the impeachment has ended. The when, impeachment yeah, inquiry. Wednesday the Im- impeachment inquiry. Ended. I'll drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna talk some uh, about because basically the reason we talk about this, one of them is politics is just gonna have to be talked about in 2020. There, oh, yeah. There's no way around it, and so talking about it constructively, thoughtfully. Um, in ways where we become good neighbors to each other. And so today we're using our little platform to uh, try to talk about it very charitably, but also say what we think as well. Yeah, and I think that I think it's worth our time being here and fleshing out answers for our own betterment. It mm-hmm. helps us to know what we think and it helps us to form form answers, whether they're good or bad, to hard questions. And then maybe it helps you, the listener, um, to evaluate those answers and form your own answers, agree or disagree with us. But, yeah, yeah. so let's dive into it. Um, so we've been talking several times. I mean, because the, the, the impeachment inquiry has been carrying on for a couple months now. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're just gonna, let's just kind of set the context in very broad terms. Um, so Trump is accused on two charges, mm-hmm. um, abuse of power and um, obstruction, of obstruction, of, yes, yeah. obstruction of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's taken to the House, um, and this was with the quid pro quo, quid pro quo um, with uh, Ukraine investigating Joe Biden. We don't need to get into all of that, but basically, um, the House voted to push it along to the Senate, mm-hmm. and the House is controlled the, by Democrats. That's correct. Senate is rep- controlled by Republicans, mm-hmm. and so I remember going into this thing. Everyone was like, yeah. "They're going to bring it, and he's going to be acquitted," and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. When it did get put before the Senate, and after both sides at length presented their evidence, the vote went as expected, exactly down party lines on both counts, except for one person, Mitt Romney, who voted to impeach the president on the first count, mm-hmm. abuse of power. And um, that's an interesting happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of mixed um, mixed thoughts from and mixed reactions from what people thought Um some people claim he was doing it to get the spotlight. Um, others are applauding him for sticking to his religious convictions. And President Trump, um, well, we'll get to that, too. He also addressed his own take of what Mitt Romney yeah. was trying to do. Yeah, um, kind of narrowly speaking, just from what I've seen, if you land yourself on the right side of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. you think Mitt Romney is a traitor. Yep. On the left side, you think he's the only honorable hero. And somewhere in between, you think maybe he just wanted attention. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, that's the responses I've been seeing. Yeah. So we'll talk about that maybe more later, but that's just kind of what, what happened then. Um, so then fast forward, let's go State of the Union. Um, would that have been Wednesday night? I think so, yeah. yeah I kind of lost track of when all these things happened. But, it, yeah, it was this week. Um, there was controversy there as Trump handed out folders to Pence and Pelosi. And as you know, Trump and Pelosi have a long history. <laughs> Um, and she reaches on her hands, her hand to shake. He snubs it, maybe. Uh, I'm not really convinced he snubbed it. I think he's definitely it. seen he, it. You think so? Yeah, I think he's seen yeah, it. Yeah, he may have. I don't know. 
Yeah, so just like the whole the State of the Union is the presidential address to yes. the nation. And um, there was a lot of school kid antics that went on. He didn't shake her hand. She ripped up his speech. She didn't say the right words to address yeah. him. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. So, But but it was, I would say it was, it was the State of the Union. Um, I would say it was fairly honest. It was the State of our Union. <laughs> <laughs> That's that was true. kind of reflected yeah. there. Yeah. Um, if not in what was said, then, then how it just was the manner portrayed. it was conducted. Yeah. yeah. So uh, honesty wins, I guess, in that one. <laughs> um, so then from there, Thursday morning, I believe it was, is the National Prayer Breakfast, which has traditionally been a time um, for across the political spectrum, um, regardless of party lines, you sit down, interfaith, um, and you pray and you join together uh, for the common good of America. Yeah. And so that happened yesterday, and more controversy came about through um, what was said and done there. The um, yeah, we could go ahead and talk about the prayer breakfast a little bit. So yeah, so they bring in they bring in a speaker who speaks and gives an address, and then the president stands up mm-hmm. and gives his own address. And I don't know how long was the speech the guy made. Uh, I'm not sure how long his speech was. Trump got up. It's usually like twenty. It's fairly lengthy, and yeah. the president came up, and Trump's speech was around twenty minutes. Yeah, and so. Um, I, I'll be honest, I did not watch a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I've seen some highlight clips, but kind of from what I read and from what I what I was able to gather, the, the speech was based on, I guess, fairly pred- predictably, um, you know, coming together across party lines. And then he uh-huh. also, he drew on the words of Jesus about loving your enemies. And there was a thing that, I mean, there was controversy. He said, you know, raise your hand if you're friends with someone Um from a different political stance than you, um, <laughs> and most every hand goes up except for Trump's there in the front. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there was that. There was controversy about that, and then Trump gets up and starts making his speech. And the first word or first thing he does is he holds up a big newspaper um, that has a picture of him acquitted. with acquitted on the cover. Holds yes. it around and nice is given announcement. ravenous applause. <laughs> um, and then after that, he gets into his speech. First part of his, I mean, the, his first words are uh, basically, I'm not sure I agree with you, Mr. Yeah. Brooks, who was the guy who gave the speech about, uh, which he basically wasn't quite sure about the whole loving your enemies part. Yeah. Um, so that's how he started his speech. And then he got into the specifics about it. Um, and really got into talking about the impeachment at the beginning um, and kind of used it as a platform to express some frustration for what he deemed Which, corrupt. Sorry, if I can break people. in. I think, yeah. it, I think it's interesting that during the State of the Union, he did not address the impeachment, but at the National Prayer Breakfast, it took front and center stage, yeah. which is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But yeah, he also... Um, Trump talked about Mitt Romney himself. He brought him up and um, mm. pretty pretty direct statement and I, I don't know if you have the quote there but he he said that he really is not a fan of people using their faith to justify doing things that they know are wrong mm-hmm. which is interesting yeah and um so right after he says that about Mitt Romney he follows with um a comment that is very clear is directed at Nancy Pelosi who had told him that she prays for him every day and I forget what his direct quote um about that, he, was, I think he just denied that she prays for him. Yeah, day. basically, uh, he <laughs> says, "I don't like people who say they pray for me, but it's actually not so." Yes. Um, so, so that was his words about Pelosi. So, there's been a plethora of different takes, responses, outrage, um, you name it. 
but that's that's kind of the backdrop, the political backdrop and the context. And, the, and at the same time, the Iowa caucuses were going on as well, yeah. um, which kind of played into it, getting the Democratic primary. Do we know who won the Iowa caucuses? It's so close with Bernie and Pete. I, I kind of think Bernie maybe edged him out, okay. but I, I'm not yeah, was at least fact close. check me on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. It was really close between uh, Mayor Pete and Bernie. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was down third, but she was down a bit. My favorite thing about Bernie, this is not good. My favorite thing about him is, have you seen the memes where he's like, I'm once again asking for your, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Poor guy hasn't won. <laughs> no, what is it? What is um, it saying? It, monetary support. Yeah. Right? yeah. And some people meme it like, me in college to my parents, yeah. I'm once again asking for <laughs> your monetary support. <laughs> Financial support. Finan- yeah, there we go. I just love that meme. Um. But yeah, that's the context for which we're going to talk about. That is where today. we find ourselves at two thirteen p.m. on a Friday in the studio, deep in the bowels of Tacoma Falls College. Yes, the bowels of America. So one thing that I wanted to talk about today, and um, I guess ask you your opinion, maybe share my own opinion, is there seems to be this idea that people do not agree on. Some people hold dearly. Some people hate the idea that you can parse out um, speaking the truth and the manner in which that quotation truth is communicated and um yeah i've i've been on facebook more in the last week than i have been in a long time i don't know if that's good or not probably not but um i i don't really i don't think i identify well as a republican i don't i'm not i'll just you know i'm not a big fan of trump at all but i definitely wouldn't be comfortable identifying as a democrat because Mm -hmm. i don't think i'm really cool with any of the democratic candidates that are put forward being Mm -hmm. president so I'll probably just vote for someone who won't win, but whatever. But you feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which some people have problems with that, too. But, yeah, um, yeah so what's something I've been seeing from a lot of my Republican friends, conservative friends, is that, like, you know, they'll, they admit and are ready to own the fact that Trump is morally mm-hmm. reprehensible or kind of a bully, a jerk. He's not, you know, the most mm-hmm. pure person but that he speaks the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, that's the thing I keep seeing. Um, you know, he speaks the truth. He arrives at the right answers. Or he legislates the truth. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, writes the yeah. truth into law. And that's why he's valuable to us. The fact that he doesn't say nice things is secondary. And it would be nice if he did, but that's secondary to the fact that he, he speaks the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want to just, yeah, I want to ask you and talk about this idea, whether or not that's a legitimate argument. And also I wanted to read, do you have that? Salty Sailor yeah, article? Yeah, I have that. Um, so something I came across right on Facebook, which was written, um, maybe the author is there. Can yeah, I just read? Yeah, Karen Vaughn. Karen um, Vaughn, yeah. So this gets shared around and applauded greatly. And I'm just going to, it's kind of long, but I'm just going to read it really fast. It's something that I would ask you to consider. Karen Vaughn, mother of Aaron Vaughn, Navy SEAL. So military uh, context here. Sometimes God uses the no-nonsense salty sailor to get the job done. That's kind of the uh, metaphor here, salty sailor. Appreciating what the man is doing doesn't mean we worship the salty sailor or even desire to be like the salty sailor. Doesn't even mean God admires the salty sailor. Maybe he just knows he's necessary for such a time as this. Ooh, words of Queen Esther. I believe with all my heart that God placed that salty sailor in the White House and gave the nation one more chance in November 2016. Donald Trump is what he is. He is the man... Sorry, he is still the man he was before the election. And without guilt, I very much admire what the salty sailor is accomplishing. He's not like me. That's okay. I don't want to be like him. I will never behave like him. I know 
We've never had a man like him lead our nation. It's crazy and a little mind-blowing at times, but I can't help but admire the ability he has to act with his heart rather than a calculated, politically correct, think tank screened, carefully edited script. I still believe that he is why, that is why he became our president, why he's been able to handle a landslide of adversity. Uh, I'm thrilled for what he's doing for my nation, for the cause of Christ, whether intentional or unintentional, doesn't matter to me, and for the concept of rebuilding America and putting her first. I will not be ashamed of my position because others don't see him through the same lens. Should it matter to me if a fireman drops an F-bomb while he's purling me from a burning building? Would I really care about what came from his mouth in those moments? Heck no. I don't care what he was doing. He's there to save my soul. And I'm not looking for him for spiritual guidance. And then all I'm thinking in those moments is, thank you, Jesus, for sending the fireman. This man is crass. He's not careful with what he says. He feel offended. But he is rebuilding the nation my son died for. Military family. The nation I feared was a fast track to becoming a hopeless cause. Forgive me if I'm smiling. And that might be the end. Nope, that's an ad. That might be the end. Yeah, but that is, is obviously yep. the, the theme of what she's going for there. Yeah. Which is what I was talking about. You know, you can be the salty sailor, but you can lead us as long as you make the right decisions. So I just wanted to ask you and kind of flesh out this idea. Is the right decision for America something that can be put in terms of math where it's an equation and as long as we're making the right decision – it doesn't matter if we're cussing at each other while we get there. Mm. And I would like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no. Well, and I think this would kind of be interesting to parse out a little bit is <clears throat> talking about. So it seems to me that when truth is referred to in this manner, there is a uh, it, it's a fairly static definition of what truth is. Truth is this line of um, beliefs and decisions um, that you need to align yourself to, but the matter in which you align mm-hmm. yourself to them is more the irrelevant part. You just need to get on that line. That is what we call truth. Um, and I guess when I think of it, especially as um, a follower of Christ, and I think of that message, I, I think if you look at Sermon on the Mount, if you look at all over the place, yeah. there's a, a different moral than just this line of truth. There's a moral universe that's going to be reflected in also how we think, act, how we talk, um, how we have character. Um, it seems to me, and I that's my really truncated understanding sure. of it, but yeah, I just, I'm not sure I'm on board with that vision of truth as it being the static line that we figure out a way to adhere to. So then it is understandable, though, if you have your perspective as that is what truth is or how truth works, then Trump is a big, strong voice, which if you have him on your side to get to that line. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think because Trump checks your boxes because he's, quote unquote, right on abortion. Mm. He's right on, you know, uh, LGBT type judges, things. Yeah, he's right yeah. on putting the right Supreme Court judge in there. He's right on enough issues that the manner he, in which he conducts himself is secondary. Right. <laughs> the analogy that came to me today while I was sitting in class, I think, is do you remember at Tri-County Tech, we took that math class, Province Stats, together? Rennet. Yeah. Rennet Benders. I want to slander her on the air or anything, but she was uh, the, our Province Stats teacher, this older woman. And she was harsh, man. Like mm. her, she made a serious point. Yeah, me and Colin got kicked out of the class. Like we were probably <laughs> the two best kids in class. And for some 
she was just like this power trip. She kicked us out of the class, not just us, like eight people for not doing something we didn't know we were supposed to do. But um, th- this is this is the context I think of her. Renet Bender, <laughs> that was a joke. Her name was Renee. That's kind of me. Oh yeah, her that's name right. is Renee, right? Well, we just called yeah, her Renee. I forgot about that. Yeah, she. I made an A in the class, and I did not enjoy the class. But she gave me what I needed to make an A in the class. She was rude. She was kind of obnoxious sometimes. But she told you how to get the answer. But in terms of getting me to the right calculations and functions on my calculator, she was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's a dynamic that I would not exactly desire her temperance or her methods. Mm-hmm. But she did get me to the right answers in that math class. So I think the question is... Do we think of the president of the United States as a mathematician trying to get to the right answers mm-hmm. and formulas, or is he something more than that? Right. And right. I honestly think that the way that you answer that question determines a lot that comes out yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, one of the most interesting things about this is I, I went back and I was rereading. Um, I was reading a letter from James Dobson to, I forget who it was, but it was during 98 impeachment trials of Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. And I was just reading. Who was also acquitted. Who was also acquitted, yeah. Um, But Bill Clinton was impeached for uh, inappropriate relations with Monica Lewinsky. Lewinsky. That woman. Um, In the White House, he was sleeping with her. And anyway, um, but some of his arguments in this letter were, um, well, I, I even I pulled up some of it, um, and I, I I thought it was kind of telling, of where where it's at that I I would struggle with more, and how much it's changed because in his he was talking about how um, people want to say that it's just his private sex life, and he said no, it's a moral um, it's a moral betrayal of the person who most of the eyes in the country are mm. on. Um, he talked, but basically he talked about character matters. Um, and to see that kind of flipped on his head by that same person, you know, here. In yeah, because that would, he would have, you said it was Dobson? Yeah. One of the faces of evangelicalism. Right. Focus on the family. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, but comes to support Trump today. And, and that's one of the things I hear a lot is like, well, what Trump does in his private life, that's none of, right. that's none of our business. Um, and so that's kind of the way, you know, Trump has a very checkered moral history, um, whether it's with women or with his, with some business stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, there's some very s- scandalous things there. Um, but now to see that that just kind of needs to be put under the umbrella, that's his private life. Mm-hmm. What we need to be concerned about is what he's doing. Yeah. What kind of policies is he passing? Yeah, because um, what kind of justices are he is he putting in the yeah. system? In 2020, when you think yeah. evangelical you don't think of someone saying his character matters and we can't stand behind this. You think of evangelical as pretty much fully on board, at least I do, fully yeah. on board with, with Donald Trump, but for the purpose of he stands in the right place on enough issues that it's worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I was also just thinking about, you know, where do we where do we first identify ourselves? Is it as, as citizens or as, as Christians? And, you know, if we were talking about this in class the other day, there came a time in the Roman Empire when Constantine mm-hmm. was the emperor and he declared Christianity 
to be the law of the mm-hmm. land. Like Christianity was the religion of Rome. And it's like, is that a good thing or not? Mm-hmm. You know, Christianity being of the emperor, is that good for Christianity or not? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't really have a good yeah. answer. I, I don't, I don't think that it is. Um, I don't think that Jesus was really about that. But I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong either. Right. But I think it's worth considering whether or not having the emperor on your side is really what, what we're going for. Right. Right. Um, and for me, like this this discussion, there can be there's good debate and discussion that needs to happen on on this topic. The part that I struggle with the most is when as Christians we defend Trump's actual character, saying um, and, you know, that's more of a, I would say, that I hope it's more minority. Um, but to say that Trump actually is moral and upright in his dealings, um, I, I guess I just am kind of dumbfounded on how you say that when comparing that to um, what a kingdom people looks like as compared with Matthew yeah. 5 um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I, I think one reason that I cannot align myself with Trump is that I think it just, it feels too much like I'm settling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be honest, I'm pretty new at this because I've only been alive for a couple of presidents. And I don't, I don't think I've really had a chance. Maybe with Obama, I was old enough to mm-hmm. really think these things, think about these things. But I don't feel like I, I want to align myself with Trump or be in his camp because it just, it just feels like settling. And then I also feel like what I've seen from some of the people that I interact with is once you jump on board, like you're in there yeah. and you you come to the table and you fight for him and scrap for him and try to win points mm-hmm. and beat the libs. And like, like, I just think that poses such problems as a Christian for me. And I'm not saying everyone feels this way or even that they should. Yeah. But for me, it certainly does. Like when Trump gets up and, and talks in the National Prayer Breakfast about how this whole loving your enemies thing is a little bit much to ask. Yeah. And maybe it is a little bit much to ask of the president. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because I mean, no one's denying that Pelosi, Democrats, they've had it for him. You know, they they wanted to impeach him, but two things can be true at the same time. I think is important yeah, to remember it's, through this. It's never too much to ask of a Christian, right? But is it too much to ask of the president? Maybe it is. Yeah, and maybe that means you know, man, yeah. who knows what that means? Yeah, but no, with what you're saying about uh, you know the struggle to to uh, embrace um, Trump's you know, party, because how it is tough to get out. And I think that's what made Mitt Romney's decision so, um, uh, so important, really, um, is he decided he's a Republican, but he decided to step out of there. And there's been multiple interpretations of why he did that. I personally think he was being honest. If you go watch his, I watched his speech and I, um, you know, maybe I don't even agree with all of what he said, but it felt like I was like, we're in the same moral universe. Um, the way he presented himself, the way he talked about it, the way he took serious his oath before God, and the way he tried to think as objectively and thoughtfully as he could through the evidence that was presented, and it brought him to a place where he found Trump guilty one of two charges. And uh, regardless of whether or not you agree with his conclusions, it just seemed like his manner in which he conducted himself, like something about that ring mm-hmm. of a truth that is much more beyond that line that we were talking about, that static part of it. It's something that rings true in um, how we conduct ourselves, how you treat other people, how you conduct yourself. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that was just what I was thinking about some with Mitt Romney. Yeah, um, and 
You were just we were just looking at an article before we started recording yeah. from Eric Metaxas. Which well, he he shared it. Um, oh, he, so he didn't write it. He didn't write it. I no. see. He he shared it and agreed with it. Yeah, and just from said it was from Breakpoint. And basically, I mean, tearing Romney to shreds for not yeah. for not voting along the mm-hmm. Republican lines. Yeah, yeah. Basically, saying that uh, the Republicans, the fact that the Republicans were agreed that Trump was not guilty was obviously obviously means that Trump was not guilty. And so the fact that Romney didn't means that he just doesn't like. Uh, he's they accuse him of being kind of a golden boy um, and saying that he can't <laughs> handle not being in the spotlight, yeah. which I thought is an incredible assertion um, to put on him that I think completely inappropriate. Yeah, so I don't know. We've kind of talked about this now. But yeah, I will just yeah I would say that where I stand now, I, I personally don't think that you can you can parse out the truth from the way that the truth is communicated unless you're doing math, maybe. You know, some mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. But I don't think the president is one of those positions where you can do that. I think the president is a he's the chief diplomat of the nation. And I think that what it means to be a diplomat is is to handle yourself in a manner that is that is more than simply mm-hmm. the numbers that you're typing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is my opinion. Yeah. Um, go sorry, go no, you're good. Um, but no, it just it because that's kind of where I have shaken out on it, too. Um I think of Paul's words to Timothy where he tells Timothy, watch your doctrine, but watch the way you live. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, he includes both of those as what you need to watch. Now, I'm not, obviously I'm not asserting that we view Trump as our pastor. Or any, I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm saying as followers of Christians especially, we should take careful notice of that which we support in doctrine, but also that which we support in character. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't, I honestly don't think that it's hypocritical to be to be a Christian and cast your vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. But I just sometimes I, I wonder at the people that I watch who align themselves mm-hmm. like to a man, to an action, join the ranks of yeah. like, this is our man. We're behind this man. Yeah. You know? And, and the, the fear mongering behind, like, if you don't vote for him, do you not care about unborn babies or <laughs> right, girls yeah. going in boys locker rooms yeah. or, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it if you don't align yourself with them. And I just go, I mean, even if Trump would have been impeached, then there's Mike Pence who has this, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the flair that, I guess you could call it flair that Trump has, but he's still a conservative that's probably going to do a lot of the same things Trump did. It's not yeah. like you're, it, that's just, that's, I think that's just fear mongering and, and yeah, this not legitimate. It's the end of the world if we don't win this next yeah. one. And it's the end of the world if the other side doesn't win. You know, yeah. I just think that's ridiculous. But yeah. but who knows? I mean, yeah, I mean I, we could be wrong on this. We could have a podcast in five yeah. years talking about <laughs> how we were so wrong. And one one so. thing I did think of was um, because we study communication here, I do. Uh, Marshall McLuhan is a communication scholar. One of his famous quotes is, the medium is the message. Mm-hmm. And just, just the idea that, even he, McLuhan, I mean, I think it was kind of one of those quotes where he's just saying something audacious to get mm-hmm. some, you know, like make his point. But like he would say, the the medium that you use to communicate your message is even more important than what you say, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, there's that. I've also I've been thinking about this idea that, you know, as as we have more and more access to everything that goes on. And it seems like everyone has an opinion mm-hmm. and everyone cares about these large-scale politics. Um, I kind of wonder, at least I know what it's doing inside of me. It's making me want to withdraw yeah. from caring about, not caring, but from trying to interact on such a huge scale. Yeah. And it's making me want to care about, like, 
the 20 square miles yep. around me. You know, I care. Maybe it's more worthwhile to care about my community and like yeah. the voices in my community and the things that are right around me mm-hmm. than it is to even play on this huge national scale. Yeah. And David Brooks wrote an article about this, which I don't have in front of me, but it, I, I could put it in the show notes. Yeah. I really thought it, it was. Did you read it? Do you remember? Uh, it? I, it depends on which one. I read some of his stuff. I'm not sure if I've read that one or not. Um, but no, I like that. And I, I think uh, next week's is going to be really uh, next week's episode. Um, is going to be on the topic of hospitality. It's the one that was supposed to be this week. Yeah. Which I think is going to be a great. Um, I think this this show here is a great uh, prere- prerequisite to that that show. And and just in thinking about hospitality, and and I was reading about it some this week, and I had to think about how. Um, yeah, through all this, well, for one, it's it, it's done good things for me, and just really thinking through. Um, what it means to, to live as a Christian in our context right now. But then it also, it really did, like you said, it made me want to dig in, in the, on the local level where I'm at. Um, because it's, it's like at that local level, I have the option to open my doors to these people um, that I would never see online or interact with online. And just thinking of the power of, you know, this election season of trying to have conversations where I sit down with someone who thinks differently than me. Sure. And I really seek out to really understand where they're coming from, even if I don't agree with it, and uh, just engage in meaningful ways and try to get something, even at a local le- level, a better story started yeah. um, than some of this this nut- nuttiness that is going sure. on at a because massive scale. The fact remains that you know we're creating the reality we have to live in all the time. And long after Trump is out of the White House... And the impeachment is over. Like the things that you said to someone or the way that they see you, the way you mm-hmm. treat people, that's going to last a lot longer than Trump, at least yeah. in your life. Yeah. And so it does matter. Um, I did. I found this article and he's talking about um, localism. He says this is David Brooks writing for The New York Times. He's a fairly conservative Ish. op-ed yeah. writer. Yeah. Kind of. He says, we've tried liberalism and conservatism, and now we're trying populism. Maybe the next era of public life will be defined by a resurgence of localism. Localism is the belief that power should be wielded as much as possible at the neighborhood, city, and state levels. Localism is thriving as philosophy and a way of doing things, because the national government is dysfunctional while many towns are reviving. Politicians in Washington are miserable, hurling ideological abstractions at one another, but mayors and governors are fulfilled, producing tangible results. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's very interesting. And I did want to say, kind of changing t- topics here, one very local thing that we've been doing here is at the pub, which is the publications room here mm-hmm. at Tacoma Falls College, we've been making some improvements down here, and the place looks a lot better than it used to. We hung up some Christmas mm-hmm. lights. Not quite as many eyesores. No, it's less like a dungeon. We moved around the table. We stocked the refrigerator with drinks. We have a coffee bar. We might be getting a rug soon. We ordered a TV mm. to go on the wall for free. So if we're not making the nation any better with yeah, our podcast, we're at least been, making this space the pub a has been better. better. That's right. Um, it's actually it's it's nice to hang out down here now. Yeah. So, um, so these are things on our minds that uh, we think are important to think about, especially this year. Um, but more than anywhere, uh, or more than anything, um, recognize that we all have our little kingdoms where our sure. will is asserted. And, uh, and I firmly believe that as much as our will can go, we ought to bring that uh, our wills in line with what Christ's will would be. And um, what that looks like this election season, 
I don't know, but I think there's some there's some generalities we can take away. And for one, it's I think it is subversive to what we've been seeing um, at a national level this past week. Yeah, if you're listening and um, you have thoughts on this, mm-hmm. shoot me an email because I would be I would be curious to hear it. But I guess especially just on this idea of you know is the truth something that you can you can portray in a bad way and does it still remain the truth? And if so, is that true in math class? Is it true in ethics class? Mm-hmm. Is it true in church? Like, can you shout the truth from the pulpit in a harsh way? And is it still the truth if you do that? Um, in schools and what about in politics? Mm-hmm. Those are questions that I've been wrestling with and I'd like to hear your opinion too. Um, I think you mentioned it, but next week on the podcast, mm-hmm. we hope to have Toby Grady. If we don't have any other extenuating circumstances yes, come up. So. I mean, it's just chaos out there. Yep. Literally, but it hospitality. was Lord willing, and if the creek don't rise again. <laughs> the creek has risen. <laughs> the I creek s- rose yesterday. I seen a, um, on Snapchat stories, I think, someone, Carl Overholt, driving past the Pickens flea market. Yeah. Oh, it's under. Feet of water. Yeah. I mean, it is yep. a complete lake. Yeah. It's insane. It was an incredible amount of rain. And then, hey, we have snow tomorrow. So, yeah. Welcome to South Carolina. So, we hope you enjoyed listening. Go out and listen to your neighbor. And uh, maybe you can give your opinion, too. Um, but maybe we could just all feel loved yes. as a result of Manifest that. the kingdom of God um, wherever you find yourself. And that's it for the Abstract Podcast. We hope to see you next week. <laughs>